Our scripture reading today is found in Genesis, the 28th chapter, the 10th through the 16th verses. Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and lay down in that place. He had a dream, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants." Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word at this time. Jacob is on the run. He has cheated his brother, and his brother is out to kill him. His family is uh, torn apart right now because uh, his mother and his father have taken separate sides between Esau and, and Jacob. And Jacob has had to flee for his life. It's probably one of the most lonely evenings that Jacob has ever had. As he is out in the wilderness, apart from his family, apart from his people, all alone. And yet, in the midst of this aloneness and loneliness, Jacob, while he's sleeping with a rock as a pillow, has a dream. And in this dream, God makes it clear that he is with him. And when he wakes up, he says, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. You know, there are a lot of people in lonely, lonely places right now here in our country, and they need to hear that the Lord is in the place where they are, even if they don't know it. There's an epidemic of loneliness going on uh, here in the United States. The psalmist David says in Psalm 102, 6 through 7, I am like a pelican in the wilderness. I'm like an owl in the desert. I watch and am as a sparrow alone on the housetop. The psalmist who wrote these words describes a problem that many living in loneliness, live with. A sparrow alone on the rooftop. Who knows? Who cares? An insignificant little bird so small, so unnoticed. Can you imagine how a sparrow would feel if it could think and didn't know that not a sparrow falls, but God knows about it? 
alone on the rooftop. Everybody can see the sparrow, but no one notices him. Many people feel exactly like that sparrow. Now, I'm not talking about solitude or isolation. Solitude is good. Sometimes we need to be alone. You can be alone without being lonely. Jesus would often withdraw to the wilderness to be alone. We're talking about loneliness. And Paul Trenier, a noted Swiss psychiatrist, says this about it. Loneliness is the most devastating malady of this age. And that's pretty much a firm statement. The great playwright Thomas Wolfe said, Don't think of loneliness as some curious abstraction or rare phenomenon. Loneliness is the central and inevitable fact of human existence. That is, it's coming and we can't stop it. H.G. Wells, one of the greatest intellects of this century, said this when he was 61 years of age, I am very lonely. It's not just the little widow alone in her cottage or apartment who's lonely. The rich and famous are lonely. A former United States president talked about the loneliness of the presidency. 70s rock star Janis Joplin had the world at her feet, but just before she took her life with an overdose of drugs in a Los Angeles apartment, said to her friend, After I come off the stage, all I do is sit around and watch television. I am so very lonely. You can be lonely in a crowd. Henry David Thoreau said, A city is a place where hundreds of people are lonely together. Sometimes crowds only enhance the loneliness. In every Sunday morning congregation, there are some very lonely people. People who are lonely look at others who seem to be happy and have friends and fellowship and families. They sit in a restaurant and they look across at those people. They walk the streets past homes and think about the people in them. People are looking for someone to recognize them. They feel like a pelican in the wilderness, an owl in the desert, a sparrow on a rooftop. In a survey of heart attack victims, 50% were found to be depressed or lonely when they had the attack. In another study, 80% of those seeking help from a psychiatrist did so primarily because of loneliness. Anyone who's dealt with those who are suicidal know they feel deep loneliness. No one knows. No one cares. No one understands is how they feel. It may not actually be true, but they, that's how they see it. Many become alcoholics or overeat or can't eat or sleep due to loneliness. God said from the beginning, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, loneliness is caused by several different things. Rejection is one of them. Many people have tried to have friends, but they've been rejected. Maybe they've been ignored, put down, and their emotions are burned out. They have deep inner wounds that they haven't healed, and they don't have what it takes to try again. They won't expose themselves to more hurt. 
Mark Twain said that if a cat sits on a hot stove, he won't sit on a hot stove again. The fact is that cat won't sit on any stove again. Some who've been burned in relationships won't take a chance on any relationship again. Insecurity is another cause. They have no sense of self-worth. They're never really accepted. Well, they have never really accepted themselves and they don't believe anyone else can accept them. Rather than building bridges, subconsciously they build walls and they close themselves in. Sorrow, tragedy, and loss are other sources. Some, through no fault of their own, have gone through deep loss. They lose perspective. They feel no one really cares or understands, and nothing makes sense to them. Job was one of these who went through such sorrow, such grieving, and in that time he's basically said, leave me alone, just nothing makes any sense. He turned inward, and his sorrow set a prison of icicles around him. Loneliness makes you feel cut off, unnoticed, unloved, uncared for, unneeded, maybe even unnecessary. There are some other factors that come into this. The mobility of our society nowadays uh, causes people to uh, be uh, separated from from family and, and friends over long distances. Families can be separated over the whole nation or even around the world nowadays. Self-centeredness is another thing that seems to be increasing today. And as people just dwell on themselves and their own uh, needs and their own problems and underscore them, they wind up sometimes excluding and alienating other people. There are other factors that figure in as, a way, as well, which can cause you to feel isolation, even in a crowd. And I think that one of the most important things, one of the things in our nation that is helping this to come about in this epidemic, this epidemic of loneliness to spread is our nation's drifting away from God. You see, everyone has three basic psychological and spiritual needs. First of all, someone to love and share intimately with. Next, someone who understands, who knows how they feel and says, yes, I care. They also need someone who needs them and wants them. If you have no one to meet those needs, no matter how many people are around, how much money you have, what position you occupy, you can be very, very lonely. There is an answer to loneliness, and it's one that seems so simplistic. It reminds me of the story of the little boy that had come down for the children's sermon and the the lady who was doing the children's sermon that day was asking the kids, what is it that has uh, whiskers and a long bushy tail and it runs through the forest and climbs in the trees and gathers nuts and buries them for the winter? And little Billy got a kind of a pained look on his face and he said, well, teacher, I, I know the answer is supposed to be Jesus, but that sure sounds like a squirrel to me. Well, in this case, the answer really is 
Jesus. And I'm not being simplistic. Jesus alone is the answer to loneliness and your three basic needs. First of all, I'd like to, and I'd like to share some things that can help you. If you are one of these who's experiencing loneliness in your life, or one of those who uh, maybe you know someone who's going through a bout of loneliness. First of all, for yourself as a Christian, I would say, first of all, if you're experiencing loneliness, rekindle the fire. Reclaim your first love with the Lord. You may have just drifted so far away and maybe you've been through so many knocks and different things in life lately that you feel that God has abandoned you and he just doesn't care. Well, just like Jacob, God is still there. God is there. And I encourage you to draw near to him in earnest prayer. And as you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Now I'm talking about drawing near to him honestly. Take off your masks. Be the real you before him. Some people I've discovered, they don't even want God to know how badly they feel about themselves how weak they feel inside. But let me tell you, he already knows and he loves you. Even in the midst of all that, he loves you, the real you. And so I encourage you, get alone with him. Tell him all about your loneliness. Pour out your heart to him. And as you honestly tell him how much it hurts, how lonely you are, what you need, you'll sense him drawing very, very close to you and you will find him to be a comforter and a friend. You may think he's left you or that you left him and can't come back, but he's there. And it tells us in scripture, as you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. He's just an honest prayer away and he understands. Really, no one understands like Jesus. In Hebrews 4.15, we read these words. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like us, tempted as we are, yet without sin. I love that line, touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He knows everything about this life. He's experienced every pain it's, it's possible to experience in this life. And I want you to notice, remember after he was resurrected and he invited Thomas to see the nail prints in his hand. Whenever he was with those on the walk to Emmaus, on the road to Emmaus, it says that they were known to him in the breaking of the bread. And I would imagine that it was when he held his hands up and his robe fell away, his sleeves fell away from his hands, they saw those nail prints. When he ascended on high, 
he kept those marks. Why do you suppose he kept those? He kept those as a reminder, as a connection between you and him. He knows what it's like to be lonely. He knows the pain of loneliness. And so when you pour out your heart to him, you're pouring your heart out to someone not only who knows, but who cares so much to have come here and experienced everything that you've experienced so that he could make a way for you to be free from what you feel like you're in prison to right now. So number one, rekindle the fire. Come back to the Lord. Draw near to him honestly. And next, do what you know the Lord wants you to do. There are things in your life right now that you know he wants you to do. And I encourage you just one step at a time, start doing those things. Start letting your light shine where you are right now. Don't wait for your ship to come in or for this bad thing to pass. Start doing it now in the middle of whatever the storm is in your life. Let your light shine. I remember uh, walking along uh, with a, uh, just, just visiting as we were walking with a Catholic evangelist named Father Francisco de San Juan. And uh, he asked me, who's the holiest person that you've ever known? And I told him about a lady who had been one of my church members in the past. And then he said, well, you know, for me, the holiest person I've ever known was a little old lady, very old lady in a West Texas nursing home. He said as he was there visiting her, she was so fragile that she had to be kept strapped on a board to keep her bones from breaking. And as she was visiting, she was just so kind and just just beamed love for the Lord and love for the people around her. And I asked her if she had any family. And she said, oh, yes, Father, I have two children. And I asked, do they visit you often? And she said, oh, no, Father, they never come see me. And he, he stopped and he said, now, how long has it been since they've been to visit you? And she said, oh, it's been at least 20 years. And he grew very, very irate. He said, what, why, why haven't they come? Why? She said, well, aren't you, aren't you upset with them for that? And she said, no, Father, I love them. And I've forgiven them. He said, well, I just don't think I could do that. Are you sure? Don't, don't you feel anger toward them for not being the sort of children they ought to be? No, Father. I love them and I forgive them. Father Chagna, Father uh, Francisco de San Juan uh, just was overwhelmed. And he knelt at this lady's feet. And he said, you are holier than me. Bless me. I need your blessing. And she said, oh, no, no, Father, I'm not, I'm not worthy to be even spoken to like that. And she said, yes, bless me. And so Father uh, Francisco de San Juan 
took her hand and placed it on his head and received her blessing. That lady, even though she was strapped to a board in a nursing home in West Texas, her light shines around the world because she was willing to let her light shine right where she was. You can do the same thing. I wound up in a uh, hospital bed one time uh, about to die. And I couldn't even feed myself. All I could do was just lay there in bed. I was so weak. And I lay there griping at God, saying, Father, what am I doing here? Why why, why haven't you healed me? I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do your work, and I can't do it from here in, the, in this hospital bed. And the more I would pray like that, the more the answer would come. And it was scripture. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And I would think, where did that come from? God, heal me. Please heal me. And all of a sudden I realized God had spoken and I was being disobedient by continuing to deny what he was saying. And I had to say, Lord, please forgive me. Forgive me. I haven't been obedient to you. And I am going to start being obedient right now. I'm going to do what you said. I am going to give thanks even in the midst of this right now. And I, and I found, I, it was a stretch, but I found things to be thankful for that I was in a clean hospital bed instead of out under a tree in a jungle somewhere or something that, uh, I had, uh, trained, skilled nurses and doctors taking care of me that my insurance had kicked in the week before and even if I died, I wasn't going to be a financial burden to my, to my wife and to my children. And so it on, so on that I, I just found one thing after another to be thankful for in the midst of isolation and loneliness. And then after I finished thanking him for everything, I could just sense the Lord's presence there with me. And I said, Lord, now then, I know you have called me to just be the best me for you that I can be. And I can't do much right now. I'm just laying here in this hospital bed. And this is all I can do. But help me to let my little feeble light shine. What little light I have left, Lord. Help me to let it shine from right here in this hospital bed. And you know, he just pumped up the fire in my little light. It turns out, as I started trying to be the best hospital patient that I could be, that one of my nurses was fighting cancer while she was taking care of other people. She worked weekends and never had an opportunity for Christian fellowship. And I got to minister to her, listen to her, pray for her while she was uh, going through a tough, tough time. A fellow minister was going through a tough time uh, right there in the town where I was. And he could come by any time and know he had a listening ear, know that there was somebody there for him, somebody that was on his side. You can let your light shine. Just start doing what you can 
where you are with what you have, knowing that he has things for you to do. And just look for those things that he puts in front of you moment by moment, minute by minute, day by day, step by step. I'd also encourage you to get involved in a church. If you're not attending church, scripture says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Churches can become family. Small groups within churches can become family. So I'd also encourage you to get involved in some sort of a small group, uh, a Christian small group, a Bible study or a Christian share group where you can share your hearts with one another, share yourselves with one another and bear one another's burdens like it tells us to do in the Bible. Church is the first place you should look for for things like that. So many people look for fellowship and friendship in all the wrong places, and church is a place to begin. Also, there are lots of other organizations that are making a difference for the good in other people's lives. Find organizations, civic organizations, other places that you can get involved and make a difference for the good in the lives of other people. Get your mind and your eyes off of yourself and onto those around you that need what you have to offer. Now then, that's if you're a Christian, those are the steps that I would encourage you to take. Rekindle the fire and start doing what you know the Lord wants you to do right now. Now, suppose that you're okay, but you know someone who is in a time of loneliness right now or in a dark place of loneliness there are three things that you can do for them that will minister the first is the ministry of presence just to be there for them you remember job's friends they came whenever he was in dire straits and in a tough tough place and they just sat with him for a week and that was the best ministry that they did. When they opened their mouth and said something, they started messing things up. Being there is so important. So many people worry and they stay away from people that are going through great losses or maybe even terminal illnesses because they don't know what to say. The thing is, you don't have to say anything. Just saying, if there's anything I can do, I'm here. That speaks volumes to someone who is in a tough, tough spot. Just knowing that there's someone there that cares makes a difference. And so just the ministry of presence, even a card or a phone call, lets them know that somebody is there, that they're not alone. Another thing you can do is listen. Listen. So many people have no one to hear what they need to, what, what, to, what they need to share with others. You know, if you share a burden, they say it's halved. If you share a joy, it's doubled. And people need someone to share their burdens with. I remember, uh, I, I, this has happened to me where you'd be standing, uh, at an elevator and maybe somebody else comes up and they just go, and let out a deep sigh. 
and uh, or maybe does it's also happened? I'm just sitting somewhere and somebody else is nearby, and they just let out a sigh, and I'll say something like, "Is everything okay?" And they'll say something like, "Oh, I wish it was." And the next thing you know, I hear their life story. They have found someone who will listen. There was a guy that just for a lark put an ad in the newspaper that said, if you just need someone to talk to, just, uh, I will, I will listen to you on the phone. Just call this number and I will, for $5, I will listen to you for 30 minutes without comment. He just put it out there as a lark. And surprisingly, people started calling. He receives 20 to 30 calls a day because people need someone to talk to. They need someone to share their lives with. They need someone who will listen and they're willing to pay just to have someone listen. They're that lonely. And so the ministry of listening is such an important ministry. And then, of course, there's the ministry of helps. There's so many people that if you just offered to do something for them, it would make such a difference in their lives. Or maybe you know someone who can't do something like clean up their yard or, or something like that. And you can do that. Maybe they need someone to help keep their house straight. The ministry of helps taking in a meal when someone uh, is, is, is just grieving can make such a difference. I remember back whenever I was 14 years old and I was working at my uncle's pharmacy one summer and I was delivering uh, uh, medicine for people and making deliveries for the pharmacy. And one time I was sent out with a, a delivery to this man's house and this man was dying of cancer. And this is back in the 60s before they have all the available care for people nowadays. And this man had fallen through every crack there was to fall through. He couldn't work. He was just barely eking by, had some sort of little income of some sort, disability probably. But he was laying there. It was in the hot, hot summertime. He had no air conditioning. He had all the windows open. I knocked on the screen door. The door was open because it needed all the air to move from the fans that he had going inside. And this gruff voice said, come on in. I went in and I explained to him I had a delivery from the pharmacy. He said, put it on the table. As I put it on the table, the stench in this house was overwhelming. He was laying in the window with as little on as possible just to try to stay cool. You could tell he hadn't bathed in weeks. His sheets were just brown from having not been changed. His whole house just reeked. And after he said, put it there on the table, Then he gruffly said, now get out. Being 14 years old and having a grown up tell me to leave, I left. My heart went out to him. He was dying. He had no one to care for him. And it's like he didn't want to talk to me. 
And it could be he'd run everybody else off, but he needed somebody. And I could have been that person. It grieves me. I didn't know then what I know now and what have I have just shared with you back then because just a bath would have helped him so much. Just clean sheets would have helped so much. It would have made him cooler. It would have made him feel better. If he just knew that someone cared, but because of all the different rejections and things that he had been through and the pain that he was in, he had put up walls that were hard to get through. But I think that if someone had tenderly tried to reach through, they could have let him know that he wasn't alone. You know anybody like that? You know of anybody uh, that needs just somebody to let them know that you care or that somebody cares? Okay, there's a ministry of presence. There's a ministry of listening. There's the ministry of helps. And then another thing that you can do for them, after you've done these other things and they get to know you, you can tell them about a Savior who understands. He does. He understands what you're going through. He understands what they're going through. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen.